I was praying about this week, and, and as you know, it was like one day up and the next day down, and, and the phone was ringing a lot one day, and then it'd get a little quiet the next day, and we were following up on folks and, and, and so on. It was just like that all week long, and I was saying, Lord, you, your people need to be strengthened in these days through your word. We just need strength through the word of God. And uh, so uh, all the way through uh, to my prayer time this morning, I said, Lord, they don't need my words. They need your words. So I, I don't, I don't want to give you my opinion about things. I don't want to give you my thoughts on things. My thoughts sometimes are just very wrong. But his thoughts toward you are always appropriate. Amen? And so uh, I just want to take you into the word uh, this morning and give you some things that I felt that the Lord put on my heart that would be appropriate for our time together today. And I want to uh, build you up with that word and, and encourage you and, and help you perhaps understand uh, the season that we are in from the perspective of the throne room. The Bible says we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and I've just concluded that we can see what God sees and we can hear what he is saying and we can experience what's going on there and, and uh, we can live out of the perspective of, of one who is seated above. So today, let's just look at the word and let's just see it through the eyes of faith as one who's seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen? Let's do that together. Let me give you 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. We're going to start there. <clears throat> Lord, help my voice this morning. I have worshipped until I don't have a voice left. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8 says this. We are hard-pressed on every side. The apostle was talking about a season of difficulty that they had been walking through uh, in, in uh, the early church. And he says, listen, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. How many ever felt perplexed? You look at the situation that you're in and you're just a little bit perplexing. He says, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we are not forsaken. And there's times when we absolutely feel like we're struck down, but we are not destroyed. I want you to just receive some strength from that uh, this morning. We are not crushed. We are not in despair. We are not, we are not destroyed. And he says, we are always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifest in us. Listen, the apostle said in another place, it is no longer I that live. It's not me that is living. Christ is living in me. So I'm not, it's not my life that I'm living. It is the life of, of God that I am living. It is the life of Christ that I am living. It is, it is His life in me. I want you to understand something in the next few days whenever you're facing a moment of difficulty or whenever you feel like there's something hard that has come your way and something you're unsure of and you're trying to figure out how to navigate. I want you to begin to declare, it is no longer I that live, but it is Christ that lives in me. I'm not here trying to live out my life. I'm here trying to live out His life going to live out of the promises of God. I'm going to live out of the good things of God. I'm going to live out of what God desires to accomplish in and through me. And ultimately, I'm going to bring the life of Christ into the earth. I'm not bringing my fear. I'm not bringing my anxiety. I'm not coming out of my own challenges. I'm not coming out of my own hardships. I'm coming. I'm bringing the life of God to anybody that's around me, anybody I can touch, anybody I can encourage, anybody that I can strengthen. It's going to be the life of Jesus. They're not going to get my strength. They're not going to get my opinion. They're going to get the life of Christ. That's what I'm bringing into the earth. 
Well, the apostle says, we're no longer, we're, we're always carrying about in, uh, in us, always reminding ourselves the dying of the Lord Jesus, that he gave his life so that I could live. So we're always carrying about in us the dying of the Lord Jesus so that we're not living out our life, we're living out his life in the earth. And then there's another thing that I want to bring to you this morning. I want to bring it to you from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and uh, verse 11. The apostle was talking to the church in this passage and he reminded them that we have an adversary, the devil, and he said we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We understand that he is trying to discourage. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to focus on it. I don't want to give place to the devil. But I also want you to understand that the enemy is, is seeking to bring discouragement to you. If he can get your head down, if he can get your uh, attitude, uh, your frame of mind to be in a place of discouragement, if he can isolate you and hurt you and, and weary you, that would be his goal. So the apostle says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And I want, to, I want to tell you, church, you are wise. You are not ignorant. I don't, I don't think the people of God are missing a moment. If we've got our ear tuned to his voice, if we have determined to be led by the Spirit of God and, and allow our spirit to lead in communion with his spirit, we're not missing a beat. So we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We understand he has intent to bring frustration into our life. That, that would be his, his desire. I'm encouraged by this. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9 says, There is nothing new under the sun. You know what I discovered? Satan doesn't have a new idea. He just keeps trying to rework the old ones. He just keeps trying to rework his old ideas. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything that he tries to discourage the people of God today, he has tried to bring discouragement to the people of God in the past in the same way. Nothing new under the sun. So I want to talk to you for just a few minutes as I begin to, as I've assessed over these last many months, some of the things that I believe that the enemy has tried to accomplish in the lives of the people of God. I want to, I want to just point those things out to you so that we are, that, so that we are in no way uh, in, lacking understanding with respect to the attack of the enemy in the lives of believers. First of all, I want to tell you that it is the desire of the enemy to scatter the flock. That's all right, the Holy Spirit's not upset by babies. Especially if they're my grandson. It is always the desire of the enemy to scatter the flock of God. And one of the greatest challenges that we have faced through the last 18 months has been that the church has desired to be together because the strength of the church is in being together. The Bible says that we are joined together, joint to joint, and morrow to morrow, that God has, has joined us together and it is in the midst of the, the, the gathering of the body of Christ that there is strength for the believer. 
The Bible even teaches us that it is in, it is in the gathering of the church and in the sharing of the word of faith that the whole counsel of God arises in our midst. There's nothing more strong to me as a pastor. I was telling the elders as we met together uh, online a few uh, night, some nights ago, last week I guess it was, we met together. And there, there was such strength in that conversation because it is in the gathering of individuals who are praying for you and who are carrying you before the Lord that, that as we begin to share and as we begin to talk, we begin to look for that constant strand of wisdom in that conversation. And it is there that you find the whole counsel of God. This is why we encourage you to stay connected in your connect groups and why we encourage you to in your prayer groups and why we encourage you to stay in your Bible studies and why we encourage you to stay connected as believers because you strengthen one another in a way that cannot happen otherwise. So it has always been the desire of the enemy to, um, to uh, divide the flock of God and to keep us away from the fellowship of one another. Uh, even to the point that in Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah prophesied a woe to those that participated in that process of dividing the flock. The enemy wants you to be divided from one another. It is, it is his device to divide. And so we have fought diligently to maintain, even, even during a season of time when we were meeting together, uh, as far as the law was concerned, we were meeting together illegally because we are determined that we're going to obey him, not them. And I'm not going to get political, but I want you to understand that we answer to the voice of God about how we navigate the days that we are living in right now. So it is the enemy's desire to scatter the flock of God. And then it is the enemy's desire, and he has worked diligently to put fear upon the people. The Bible says that in the last days, in Luke chapter 21 and 26, men's hearts would fail them for fear. That people's, people in the earth, their heart would literally stop because they were so overwhelmed with fear that they could not move forward. I want to challenge you that you would understand when you feel a gripping anxiety in your life and when you are in a position where you begin to wonder what is going on and your soul gets caught up in that moment and in that process of thought, that you would just move right over into the Spirit and you would say to your Spirit, Spirit, you're going to lead right now. I'm not going to be given to a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, the Bible says, but He's given us power and love. A sound mind. So even in the most fearful of circumstances, we can stand in soundness in our thinking because we are thinking the thoughts of God in those moments. So we're not going to move in fear. We're not going to be motivated by anxiety. We're not going to be held captive to a sense of fearfulness in fearful days. Come on. We're not going to be held there because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Then something I believe that the enemy has tried to do in these days that, that is uh, troubling to me, and I want you to understand it, and I want you to really grasp this. The enemy has tried to bring the Christ to the place that we are suspicious of one another. As we were talking about this present challenge with coronavirus and, and some of the, uh, the, 
ways that, that perhaps it arrived upon the horizon of Church of Living Water, I began for a moment to think that through and to know who was sick and who had been in contact with who and, and all of that kind of stuff and, and begin to uh, play a mental game that the government would like us to play in terms of skip tracing one another. And well, that must have got in over there. And that must, well, you know what? If you've been to the grocery store and if you've been to the doctor and if you've been out in the public at all, then, then we have no way to be able to say this came this way or that came that way. And the reality of it is that the enemy wants to make believers suspicious of one another and wants, the, wants believers to begin to hold one another at arm's length and to, to uh, be uh, distanced from one another, not just in a physical way, but in an emotional and a spiritual way, and that is the attack of the enemy. But the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11 to build and encourage one another. We're to build one another up. We're not to be suspicious of one another, and just as we're not going to be driven by fear, we're not going to be driven by suspicion. We're not going to buy into the thinking of this age. I'm going to challenge you this morning. Don't buy into the thinking of this age. It is the thinking of the world that would cause us to want to live that way. And it is not the thinking of the kingdom of God. In fact, the Bible says that if you, uh, if you drink anything deadly, anything deadly comes, it won't even hurt you. In faith toward the promises of God. then it has been the purpose of the enemy to isolate the believer. And I discovered a few weeks ago in prayer that the enemy has spent the last 18 months trying to isolate us from one another. And then in that, this season of isolation, when many are isolated, he had turned to attack them in their place of isolation. If you study sheep, you'll understand that uh, those that stay closest to the shepherd are the safest. And those that stay clustered together uh, with one another are the safest. They get weak or those that get uh, emboldened to be on the fringe and to be isolated and to be away from the flock. And the enemy comes to remove those that are isolated. I want to speak to you this morning. Uh, those of you that are on, joining us online, do not let isolation become your norm. You take the time to be well, and then you get yourself back into fellowship. The day is going to come that the Holy Spirit is going to sweep across this nation and across the body of Christ in this nation, and He's going to begin to deal with fear and our anxiety and our isolation, and He's going to begin to correct us and remind us that His Word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together so much more as you see the day approaching. Allow yourself to be connected to one another. Allow yourself to be joint to joint tomorrow tomorrow. Allow yourself to become again in the body of Christ a joint that supplies. So now we understand some of the things that the enemy has tried to do in our life that we are resisting. And now I want to help you to understand what God is doing in us in these days. I want you to know what God is accomplishing. First of all, just like we experienced in our worship this morning, was a great example of this moment right here. God is strengthening his people. 
Isaiah 41.10 says this. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the strength of my right hand. I want to declare in your hearing this morning that God is still to this day upholding His people with the strength of His right hand. God is still reaching into your life and lifting you up when you're in places of, of difficulty and when you're in places of injury and when, in your pla- when you are in places of struggle. God is reaching into your life and He is picking you up. He is lifting you. And he is strengthening you that you will stand in faith in these days. And then I want to challenge you that God is comforting you. I, I was, uh, I, I don't know, as a pastor, when, when I got the phone call that, that Brother Eddie had stepped into the presence of the Lord, I went immediately into the soulish realm. And I, I began to, to be in anguish. And I began uh, to, uh, to feel everything that, that, uh, that one feels in a moment of loss. And then I begin to question decisions that <clears throat> we had made and begin to rethink back over the many months as we've gone through this process. And I begin to say, Lord, did, did, did I do something wrong? You know, all, all those things that you do whenever you have a sense of responsibility about a, a moment in time and a difficulty that has arisen. And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit. He said, stop that right now. And I begin to say to my spirit, you will lead in these days. And I begin to feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit that would come over life. And, and the, Lord, the Lord reminds me, I saw this day. It is wonderful to me that the Lord continually tells me, there's nothing that has happened that has caught me off guard. God has never said, oh, that just surprises me. God has never felt surprised by any of this. So God is comforting. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5 says this, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, the God of all comfort. Listen, the God of all comfort. Can you take that word all for a moment and just supply it by faith to your heart? The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation. It's to me that the word challenges us to understand that we need comfort. Why would we need comfort? Because we're going to face days in our life where comfort is is needed because of the challenges and the tribulation and the difficulties that we will face. I love that Jesus was bold enough to say, in this life you will have trouble. But don't fear, I've overcome. And you know what he was saying? If I've overcome, you can overcome. So Jesus challenges to understand that there would be those days that we would need comfort. So God is still comforting. Just like he's still strengthening, he's still comforting. So he said, the God of all comforts us, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we are, listen, listen to this, listen to this word from the apostle, that we are able to comfort those who are in trouble. I didn't just comfort you so you could be comforted. I comforted you so that you would be strengthened so that you could bring comfort. I'm comforting you so that you can comfort others. I'm strengthening you so that you can strengthen others. I'm helping you so that you can help others. 
I'm lifting you up so that you can lift up others. Listen to the heart of God. I'm, I'm doing this in you, and then I'm giving you this as an assignment in the life of others. I'm comforting you so that you can be a comfort to others who need comfort. I've discovered something when I go through a difficult time or when I meet people who've gone through a difficult time. There's something about having gone through that period of time and through that season of difficulty that brings an empathy and an understanding in them that no one else can understand uh, unless they have walked there. And so God says, I, I've, you've gone through some difficult places and then I've brought you comfort and now you have an understanding of what others are going through when they're going through difficult places and so you can come to them with the same comfort that I brought to you. Go ahead, Pastor Chris. I want to challenge you this morning that God is strengthening and God is comforting and that God is giving hope. If you're, if you're facing seasons right now and difficulties and uh, periods that produce a feeling of hopelessness, how many have ever felt that before? Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in us Oh, come on, church, listen to this word. He who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, until the day of his appearing, until the day that he sets foot on this earth again. I wanted to help you with something. I was, I was on the phone uh, with a gentleman uh, yesterday as we were reworking the fall schedule. And we, he prayed for Church of Living Water, and he prayed for me. And he says, I want to prophesy something to you, Anthony. You, you guys are still going to be there next month, and you're still going to be there the month after that, and you're still going to be there next year. You're still going to be doing the work of the Lord. You're still going to be fulfilling his promises in the earth. I want to give you some hope today that God who began this good work in you is going to bring it to completion. Oh, come on. Hope in the Lord. God who began this good work in you is going to bring it to, to its fullness. You can stand in that hope. So God is strengthening, God is comforting, God is building hope in you. God is bringing healing. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I speak over those that are suffering in this day, this word right now. God is bringing healing. Psalm 103 and 3 says he forgives all. I love this passage and I love the, the way that it's written. He forgives all your iniquities and he heals your diseases. Why did he put it in that order? Because the enemy wants to come to someone who is in need of healing and he wants to tell them that they don't deserve it because of some mistake they've made, because of some poor uh, decision that they've made, or because of something that they've done in their life in the past. He wants to convince them that they are not worthy of the healing. So he starts out, he says, let me help you with something. I forgive you of your iniquities and I bring you healing. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Don't let the enemy talk you out of the promises of God. So Psalm 103 and 3 says, He forgives my iniquities and He heals my diseases. He forgives your iniquities and He heals your diseases. In the name of Jesus, He heals those who are afflicted in these days. So not only is He strengthening and comforting and bringing hope and healing. 
I want you to understand something else. He's always, always, always with you. You are not walking through anything alone. Listen, believers, we, don't, we, we never walk alone. Sometimes we look around and in the physical uh, realm, uh, in, in our physical thir- circumstances, we, are, we, we feel like we are alone because there's no one, uh, no one else in close proximity to us. But you are full of the Spirit of God. You are never alone. And Jesus said in Hebrews chapter 13 and 5, the writer there reminded us of the words of Jesus. He said, he himself has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I love the fact that when Jesus was teaching this throughout the New Testament, as you arrive upon these passages where he talks about always being with us, he said, I'm going to go. I, I, do, I do need to go, and it's to your benefit, to your advantage that I go. But why was it to our advantage that he, he would go? He said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send you a comforter, and he'll be with you, and he'll be in you. So I want to challenge you this morning that he's always with you. Then in your loneliest time, you're not alone. In your loneliest time, you're not alone. He's always with you. I'd like to go back to the front end of that, Chris, and read that first passage of Scripture again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. We're hard-pressed. On every side but we are not crushed. Maybe we're a little bit perplexed from time to time, but we are not in despair. We may even be persecuted. Certainly the tone of the nation where the church is concerned right now is one of persecution. Oh, but we're not forsaken. We may feel like we're a little bit struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus would be manifest in us. I want you to stand together this morning.